Hey, Printhousers, welcome back to another episode of Printavo Printhousers Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We've got our co-host, Stephen Farragut of Campus Inc., and our very special guest, Chelsea Brinkley, our VA expert. Is that, can I use that as a tagline? Sure. That sounds good. <laughs> so we got connected, Chelsea, because of Jared Hennis at Rockford Art Deli, but Chelsea has been a godsend to our business uh, lately uh, because we were going through a slight crisis with virtual assistants and getting an assistant for myself and just a lot of assistants in general. Chelsea, give us, uh, tell us about yourself, your background, how you all ended up here. Sure. So uh, I am ridiculously passionate about helping entrepreneurs and small business owners create efficient businesses. And that comes in a couple different forms. One, it's through system optimization. I totally nerd out about that. But the other side is like the VA matchmaking that I really love to do. So yeah, a little bit of background about me, I guess, is that I used to work as the executive assistant to the chief digital officer for a multi-million dollar company outside of Nashville, Tennessee. There's only a few, you could probably guess which one it is. Um, but I eventually came to realize that I didn't want my life and my job and everything to revolve around an office building until I retire. I just couldn't do it. So I eventually stepped away from the corporate world, started doing my own thing. You know, I first started out freelance and then that's grown into really figuring out what my niche is and running my own business with team members and this whole virtual assistant matchmaking. So Chelsea, you have um, a pretty large following, like a Facebook community of like work from anywhere um, that I was poking around in yesterday. Uh, tell us about like what you do for small businesses and, and what the goal of your company is. And, and, you know, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So my entire goal is to help them create more efficient businesses. And I say that like it comes from a passion of really wanting them to have the freedom and the flexibility that they probably got into starting their own business in the first place. And usually what ends up happening is an entrepreneur or small business owner is so excited, right, about starting their own business. They're jazzed, they're pumped up. But what ends up happening is all of the overwhelm and they realize they're doing everything. And you get to a point where you just can't do it all and you start to feel overwhelmed and stressed out and there's just a million things going on and so i love helping those individuals get that freedom and flexibility back so they can breathe better and run their business how they really wanted to initially in the first place do you have an example of of somebody recently where it was just total underwater is this uh, steven is that what steven? you're smiling <laughs> <just> steven <laughs> Go for it, Chelsea. I, Tell us about you. Let's go divulge. for it. I'll be vulnerable here. Go for it. You know, uh, like a big piece of what I do is also like the coaching aspect too. Because a lot of, you know, small business owners, they're not really sure like, how do I delegate work to a VA or an executive assistant? What does that look like? So there's a coaching aspect. There's, you know, a big piece of that is also 
oh, I don't actually have my systems in place. Most of the time, all of their systems processes, what they do, it's in their head, you know, and what happens if they're out for a little bit or they get sick or, you know, something like that, everything just shuts down. So a big piece of that is also like helping to coach them through that and be like, here's how we create a standard operating procedure. Let's literally write everything down. Let's create templates. Let's write everything down and hand that off. And so anything, I love to get the entrepreneur, the small business owner to a place of them delegating anything they can, you know, whether it's email management, calendar management, you know, some processes that they don't have to do anything that they can so that they can finally step into a place of doing the things that only they can do. And that's really where your sweet spot is, you know, working in your strengths. So yeah, I'll say with Steven that, you know, I doing some coaching with his EAs, they have been telling me, oh, like they're, you know, Steven is creating all of these processes now, all of these templates now. He's getting his whole team creating SOPs and that I'm like, oh, it's my love language, SOPs. But, and that's really good to hear that he's <laughs> delegating these things and getting them off of his plate. Because I, I know like our first conversation, I remember chatting with Steven and just he seemed exhausted and um, really overwhelmed and stressed out. And I just, I see that little by little being like handed off and delegated. So that makes me feel good. I, I think you bring up some interesting points because I, I went on a journey, like my business partner's like, you need to hire assistants to help you, Stephen. like plain and simple. His wife said it, he said it, Carson said it. They're like, you need help. And I was like, okay, I need help. So I went on a journey to find help and while I was able to like find people, it didn't stop there. And that's actually where I probably like messed up the first time around really like badly. And I think like what you talk about there is you obviously helped us in our journey to find EAs and VAs. And we've hired two who are fantastic. And we have a third, I think, on the way, uh, yes. which is great. Um, but wow. Tell us about like how important the SOP part of it is because that's that's what I totally messed up the first time around. And I think shops listening to this should really, really listen in on it's not about hiring the VA, it's what happens after. Yeah, that's so true. Like there's a big piece of like training and why, you know, like my process in finding the individual vetting that, you know, we do skills tests and all of that. It takes about, I mean, Stephen, I'm so sorry. It takes so long, but it takes about six weeks because we want to make sure like we find you the right person. It's not just, you know, posting it on the internet and seeing who applies and be like, that's good. You know, there really is a whole vetting process and it's really, really important to me that we find the right person, but you're right. It's like, there's a whole training aspect. And so hopefully during that process of the six weeks, there can be a, hey, let's start to think about the systems that you want to hand off to this individual that you want to delegate. Like, what does that look like? Do you have things written down or is it all in your head? Because as soon as that person is brought on board, you're going to go, okay, so uh, what next? You know, and what do I hand off to them? What do I delegate to them? And if you already have a standard operating procedure of this is how we do printing or this is how we design this, something along those lines, if you have it written down and you can do, I like to do like a combination of a loom video, loom is I know really popular these days, but do a loom video of you walking through the procedure and then have it all documented, written down in a Google document or whatever form that works for you guys, write it all down step by step, step by step. I mean, really break it down 
very elementary from click this button, log in here and create those processes. And then once that individual comes on board, you can just hand it off to them and be like, here we go. You have something to hand off. So the training aspect is really, really important as well in creating those creating those templates, creating those procedures so that when someone does come on, you have something to hand them rather than not knowing where to start. And I was really bad at that. I was also really, what I also learned and I would tell Bruce is like, I am awful at interviewing because like I basically spoon feed answers to my candidates. And when they say the right things, I'll be like, okay, I think you'll be good here. (laughs) Uh, You know, I think one of the cool parts of us working with Chelsea was the interview process. When I first started talking, you were like, it's going to take six weeks. And I'm like, six weeks, I cannot wait six weeks to hire someone. But as you explained it, you're like, we're going to probably source and interview 30 to 40 candidates. And I thought about it. I'm like, I cannot interview 40 people. Like Bruce, can you tell us about your struggles in interviewing right now? Because this is, <laughs> I, I've got, I, go for it. Bruce is, uh, Bruce is, tell us so about what you were doing right that, now. That popped up. That, that I just had to write down because I want to go back to. But um, <laughs> interviewing, I always get jazzed up at the beginning of interviewing. And then I think to a month in, two months in, it becomes very difficult to continue to scale it correctly. And then, you know, you can get lazy or you get desperate and you just say yes or, or whatever. I don't think most shops are probably hiring, like I, I need five people, for example. But just the interview process of I think having somebody like an assistant to be able to go through who cares and wants to take the time and can create the like, what are we grading this person on? What are we like? There's so many, I guess that even steps back to think about there's so many of these tasks of which interviewing itself is like something that's great to be able to help hand off off of your plate and just let you do the final screen. It, It really is. I mean, if you think about the funnel, sure, I guess you could say yes, just to people that go in the door. But like if you think about the funnel, especially if it's a pretty crucial role, I mean, we say 30 candidates per per role is about on average what you have to talk with. And yeah, it, it definitely is. And, and it can be an absolute bummer if it doesn't work out or, or whatever happens to that process. I'm kind of curious, Chelsea, when do people see or, or like when is the right time to start looking for an assistant? Because I think I personally was about a year late, but at the same time, it was that as the business owner, it feels like I should just be doing it. And I just, and it, no, 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 it's not the right time. I should do it. I should do it now. I should do it now until it was way, way, way too late and should have handed that thing, you know, whatever, all this stuff off. Are, are there certain feelings or like mindset things that happen that we should trigger better? Yeah, I would say the right time is before you're all like already feeling that overwhelmed and stressed out. And that's hard to tell, you know, honestly, when that is, you're, you know, but again, the whole goal is get to a place to where you're doing things that only you can do. So if you're doing a task or a project and you're going, I actually don't have to be the, you know, the person doing this. You should delegate it. And I know that there's like a whole like cost versus time, you know, there. Um, And a lot of times as, you know, a business owner, like you said, you do feel like, 
well, why don't I just go ahead and like, I can knock this out. I can do it. You know, that sort of thing. But you think about the opportunity cost because you're doing this task that to be honest, maybe you don't need to be the one doing what's the opportunity cost there. What are you not doing in your business that only you could do that you're not having yeah. the time to do so. And then I also but like, so I also like to like ask yourself these questions whenever you're thinking about bringing on a team member or a VA, EA, whatever that looks like. So what don't you have the time to do that needs to get done? I mean, and literally write this out. If you ever are in a situation where you're going, I don't know, you know, I'm not really sure if I should bring on someone right now or not. Write this down. What don't I have the time to do that needs to get done? That's the first thing. The second is what don't I know how to do that I would actually like to start doing and implementing in my business? But I, again, don't have the time to do that. And what are those things that I dislike doing? Because we know that there's some things that just drain us, right? That's just like we hate doing. It kills our creativity. So what are those things that you dislike doing that you would really like to hand off to someone else? All of those things that makes sense. are the responsibilities you should delegate. I think back to being a three-person shop or so, and like I, 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 w- I couldn't spend the money on it, right? Like I, I feel like at that time I had trouble even spending a hundred dollars a month for something, or you know, uh, more investing in the business at that side. But at the same time, I think there's like these like piecemeal augmentations that are happening, like artwork, for example, especially like Farag with you guys is essentially a VA, or you know, maybe a contract customer sending in a bunch of orders and that somebody's copying data into a system that's sort of like an augmented va you know small one there i mean can you think about that fairly like when you were smaller when like would it have been if you were to go back would it have been one person full-time or would you have still kind of pieced it together like that well sometimes hmm that's interesting because because i think as a smaller shop you're always like when can i get to a point where i can afford another employee Like if we do this in sales, I can afford a full-time employee at 15 bucks an hour to do this. Up until that point, I have to do that. But I think if you take all the administrative tasks that can be done virtually or that could be done on a part-time basis, it would have been better for me to take those specific parts and say, okay, I know I can afford 10 hours a week to enter in quotes this way. I should find someone to just do that because that will at least get us, one, they'll get very good at doing one specific thing, right? But two, it won't necessarily stress out this whole, I need to hire another employee and have like another person that I'm coaching and training full-time you're responsible for their livelihood, things like that. So I wish I would have known about it a little bit more. I guess I do it with apps, right? Like I'm always finding an app to make something faster. Even if it's like 50 bucks a month or hundred bucks a month, I'm like, okay, that's going to make this better. So let's do it. I think almost the same with like assistance in your business. We are as business owners, usually the visionaries and we're trying to be the integrators. And usually you're it's really hard to be both. One is going to fall like falter for sure. Bruce, you try to book hotels and like flights for trade shows. It doesn't work. And so like (laughs) you're actually four years too late because we've booked a few too many of those incorrectly, but like you need to be focusing on your product, not trade show packages. Yeah, that was uh, that was an Chelsea. I I booked a hotel that was a year in advance when we needed it like two weeks in advance. (laughs) <laughs> um, 
or like the wrong hotel rooms. I mean, we've booked two one-way tickets uh, for planes instead of going back. I mean, there's, I think, you know, going back, there's some very clear telltale signs here that the, even just the cost of some of these mistakes were just growing. Yeah, and you can, like, honestly, like, uh, kind of like what Stephen was saying, you don't have to have a full-time VA. You can have a part-time. You can have someone just a few hours a week. And listing off those, you know, tasks, responsibilities that you want to delegate to that individual, maybe like travel, um, you know, that being done, it's not going to take hours and hours, but it's off your plate. You're not having to worry about it. And if it costs, you know, that individual they're, they're only there for like maybe five hours a week. You can always scale up or scale back. It's not like a permanent, they're independent contractors. It's not a permanent, like Stephen was saying, team member, salary, that sort of thing. Interesting. So wh- what's the minimum amount like of hours it would be worth to get a VA? Because like, you know, the VAs and, and EAs that we have on our team are basically like part to full time. But what if a shop is like just getting started? What is what is the smallest appropriate amount of time to um, to bring someone on? I think the smallest appropriate amount of time would probably be five hours a week. And and then like from there scaling and growing, you know, whenever we find someone, we can have that conversation of are you willing to grow with this individual? Right. Like, so if you think about it, it's kind of like a seesaw. So once you're handing off some of these tasks and projects, it gives you more time to do the things that only you can do, which hopefully those are income providing, you know, things that only you can do. So once that increases the in, you know, the revenue for the business increases, you're going to want to naturally delegate more responsibilities. And then, you know, that increases for the VA as well. And it just is kind of like a seesaw. It's like little by little handing things off. And I say a minimum of five hours a week because they'll start to get, you know, in the beginning, they're learning your business. They're learning how you like your preferences, how you like things and how things are done. And in the beginning, it may be a little bit slower, but that'll really ramp up and pick up. You know, they're going to become more efficient at what they do. So they're going to get more done in less time. Obviously, that's a win-win for everybody. What are some exact things, Stephen, you've had VAs be able to take over for you? And then I'm also then curious after that, Chelsea, since you've worked with some other shops, what, what you've had them, like literally they do this task, they, they move this or own this or day-to-day operations, whatever it is. Yeah. So I think what Kelsey said that was huge there is like it's gradual over time and they're going to learn how to work with you on the things that are, are are the hardest for you to do. So I the first thing that I did was I wrote down like everything that I want them doing. And it usually was administrative. For instance, sending out like AR twice a week on Printavo, like just going through from top to bottom and sending out invoice reminders. Like my IR was 100K and it went down to 50K in like four weeks just because it was done twice a week and it was like an hour long task. Doesn't have to be done every single week or every single day, but it was like a two hours once a week, you know, kind of thing that need or twice a week that needed to be done. Uh, and then we started to get like granular with it. Like every month sales tax has to be done this way. And here's the SOP for how it's done. And let's get it done on the 15th of the month so we can review it by the 20th, right? And so we started going through it and it was like, okay, payroll is every two weeks. This is how we prep payroll on Wednesday. And then let's set up a meeting Wednesday afternoon to go through it and then pay everyone. Right. And so for me, it was a lot of the administrative, just like little things along the way. It would always be like, shoot, I got to run payroll or crap, sales taxes due. 
Um, and whenever I would say, crap, this is due, that's when I knew I shouldn't <laughs> be the one doing it. Uh, even to the point now where my email is, we're working on like email management. So going through my email every day and getting out, even like deleting all the spam out of the way and just going through and seeing like what I need to respond to or what I don't need to respond to. And that's really great because I'm not freaking out about like being like paralyzed by my inbox, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like a, it's, it's a gradual thing, but you can find activities to do. And then like kind of what, what Chelsea said there is if there's things you want to do that you don't know how to do, Right. And so one of the things that Chelsea tested for was like Excel proficiency. And so being that every week in Printavo, we can run a report. I want to see exactly how sales were last week. And I'd like that report once a week. Right. That is a that's an hour long task. That's something that I will not do every single week. But I know an assistant will do it perfectly the same exact way. And that just makes me a better business owner because I can make better decisions. Right. And so, I mean, those are just a few of them. But it's Wait, cool. Steve, that email management thing is a big, is a big, big deal. I mean, uh, you know, you've got customers asking for things or just wanting to chat. You've got quotes coming in. Is this something that you guys recommend going through with an assistant every day to say, okay, let's go through every email and say, okay, this is something to leave for me. This is something to unsubscribe this or whatever. I mean, this was actually tough for me and I had to have Chelsea help me like coach me through how to manage this because like when you see an email and you want to respond to it right away, you're not going to like tell your assistant to like, then you're just going to respond to it. So we live off the front app, which everyone I've touted a bunch because you can chat about your emails, but I set the expectation that they're going to go through my inbox every day and just check through everything like twice a day. And then I will come after it and go through any of the things that I need to do. But because we use the front app, like Kelsey can ask me and say like, hey, do you want me to respond to this? Do you want me to set up a meeting here? What do you want to do? And I'll just be like, ignore it or whatever. It's more that like there's someone watching it. And even yesterday we were wiring money overseas for promotional products. And Kelsey was like, what currency is this in? Because there's like a million, like, it's like going to Pakistan. And I was like, sweet, someone's watching my inbox. That's awesome. But it was hard. It was definitely hard. And we had to set like ground rules for what we were going to do every day. Um, I don't know, Chelsea, do you have anything to add there? Because you had to help me with that for sure. Yeah, email is a tricky kind of thing. And honestly, like, I don't know about you guys. No one taught me like email management or anything like that in school. So you and everyone does email different, you know. And so I think like the biggest thing when handing that off to your VAEA, when handing that off, really, it's like a whole training. Someone has to learn how you process your email. So in the beginning, would, you know, put, I would put this email in this folder. This is how I would respond, etc. So creating a loom video and walking through and talking through how you process that is really helpful for someone who's trying to learn how you do things. So that's good. And then also, of course, writing down and documenting things. You know, a big part of email is probably customer service, which is huge. So if you tend to send the same email response maybe to a particular issue or problem or something along those lines, create an email template document. And keep that on hand and say, like, this is how we typically respond to this situation. And that'll make it a lot easier for your VA as well. But 
honestly like doing a loom video and you talking through how you how you process it yeah and on chelsea's site you can buy the pack of all the templates there's your plug chelsea um, but, uh, when we started working with them, those templates were super helpful because they were just like self-guided. It was on Chelsea's website. Um, and, like an uh, SOP type for handling email. Well, it was just like, I don't know, Chelsea, tell us about your templates. Cause like they, I've been using them. They're super helpful. Yeah. So, um, I have, you know, I love writing standard operating procedures and so I've created a whole template for how to write a standard operating procedure. So there's that. And it's an, basically a packet of templates for entrepreneurs that can be helpful for them. So helpful for your team, you know, contractor payment tracking, what that looks like. If you happen to run a mastermind, there's a whole process for that. Um, if you have a podcast, there's a whole process for that and what that looks like, how you bring guests mm. on. There's a whole, there's all a bunch of templates. <laughs> You're laughing, Stephen. <laughs> there's a bunch of uh, templates located in there just to help you out because I know that not everyone just gets jazzed up about, about creating SOPs. So just to help you get started. That makes sense. I, I'm kind of curious, like, where do you think and maybe fair, I guess this is for you of like a role versus an assistant, right? Like, you know, like where do you start to carve out? You talk about like following up on AR and stuff. Like, is there a role for more financial stuff or is it just because it's not enough work to fill a full-time job? And, and that's where it's better for somebody who's generalist doing these different things. Um, well, like I gave Chelsea cause Chelsea did the entire recruiting and vetting process um, and like personality skills assessment, all the different things. But I basically gave, we had to work on a really good job description. And a lot of it was like general things too. Like, okay. do they know a little bit about QuickBooks? Okay, good. Do they know how to use Excel? Good. You know, what time zones are they in? Cool. Like what's the, your person, you know? So because I'm not hiring a full-time bookkeeper and we have, you know, we use like Sparks, like Profit First, there were just some things that needed to be done monthly that I could just teach them how to do. So I, I wouldn't even say it's like carving out a role. It is more general, I think, but it's definitely more administrative than it is like sales oriented, I guess. Chelsea, have you ever hired VAs to help in sales at all? I don't know. No, it's generally more administrative, but I will say that you can get pretty specific. So, you know, if you need someone who really excels with social media, right, we can find someone that is has that strength, right? So it's more of the administrative things um, rather than a specific, you know, sales role or something along those lines. Gotcha. I, I'm curious, and, and this is your workflow, obviously, but like if somebody says, hey, Chelsea, all right, let's take the dive in. What does your process look like? You talk about the timeline of, of six weeks, but like the hiring, the training, roughly costs of all that uh, for finding an hourly after. Like, wh what are people looking at? Yeah. So we have a six step like screening process. And so we go through, you know, the first step is whenever we're vetting someone, you know, we go through attention to detail. So we leave little, um, I call them like Easter eggs in the job description. So you have to respond 
into an email, you know, and put a specific word in the subject line that I've asked for. And that's just hidden in the job description. It shows me that you do have attention to detail, that you are paying attention and you're not just saying like, oh, the pay is this and it works for my schedule. Cool. I'm going to apply. Right. Like we put little Easter eggs like that. So, you know, the first one, first step of our screening process is definitely attention to detail. The second is we have like the basic must have skills. And we go through that with, you know, the client with Steven was like, what are those must have things you need in an individual? So there's a difference between the must have skills and then the bonus advanced skills. And there's a reason for that. So to me, the bonus advanced skills, those are teachable things, right? Like there's some things that you like, He's like, I need someone who is Excel savvy. That's a must have. But maybe them learning how to use like your email platform. We can teach them how to do that. Like that's a teachable skill, right? So the second step is like they have to have the basic must have skills. The third is a culture fit. And that is really, really important. I think like your team members is one of the most important things. Like who you have on your team is extremely important. So going through that, so culture fit, like do they care about what you do? (laughs) Do they care about uh, your print shop? You know, do they have the same values that you're looking for? You know, their personality, does it fit with what you're going for? Do you want someone who's, you know, you can get really specific there and be honest with me and, and be pretty, Um, blunt about what you're looking for. And then the fourth step is we do a skills test. So we definitely test on the basic must have skills. If someone says they're Excel savvy, I'm gonna, we're gonna test you for that. We're gonna make sure that you really are. Um, The fifth step is they do a final interview with me. So I get to kind of be the bad guy. (laughs) And that's like also another like pro here, you know, y'all are hiring this individual, but I kind of get to be the bad guy and like poke and probe and just kind of make sure it's the right fit, you know? And then the sixth step is a final interview with you. So we typically, I think with Steven, we brought him the top three or four that we felt like was a good fit. And then from that point, it's really feeling like what clicks. Like, yes, all of these individuals, they meet the culture test. They meet the skills test. They meet the basic skills. But, you know, which one really clicks with you? So that's kind of our six-step screening that we do. That's intense. And (laughs) I underestimated how valuable each step was because I realized I just don't have the a time and b proficiency to do all of those things professionally you know like i'm not not good at those and so i think the humbling part of all of this is realizing like having chelsea's team do it or if you use a different recruiter or whatever like a firm to help you hire is because they're experts in what they do right and so i think there's shops out there that are always saying like hey i want to hire vas and i has anyone hired overseas or whatever and at first, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I like, after seeing the other side of it, I almost caution shops to say like, you could also do a little bit of damage if you hire the wrong fit too. So Chelsea, what do you think about hiring overseas VAs or offshore? Tell us about that because I'm sure you've dealt with it. Yeah, there's a, it's a really good question. So a lot of people will come to me and be like, well, you know, maybe the people that you work with are more expensive and oh, I can go find 
a VA, you know, that's in the Philippines that is, you know, gosh, I don't know, such a low rate, like $5 an hour, you know, something like that. And yes, you totally could. Sure. You can post it on Upwork. You can post it on Fiverr. Go for it. Um, but it depends on the level of responsibility that you're handing off to someone, right? So I personally would not want that individual to maybe do my customer service, right? So that's like a, that's a really big thing. Those are your customers. Those are people that are paying you and you don't want to just outsource something cheap because you can. So I definitely would caution, and, and that's not something we do. I don't post roles on Fiverr or Upwork or anything like that. It's definitely like in-house my network, you know, that we reach out to, that we find those candidates. Um, you just have to be really careful about about doing that, which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the VAs in the Philippines or anything like that, but it's, um, again, your team members are important and you have to just be cautious about doing that. You may not get the level of service, um, likely will not get the level of service that you're looking for at a, that, that low of a rate and trying to outsource something. Yeah. And shop shops that are listening, like we have, we use GraphX for our art department and, and they're completely, I think they're all in Honduras, I want to say, but they have a management team stateside with Nick and Brent uh, and Lucas that are constantly coaching them uh, and Rob that are making them better and holding them accountable. And if there's something that goes wrong, I don't necessarily message them. I message their management team to correct it because I there is a communication barrier. But there are very granular things that they do and they don't communicate with customers just because that's not what their skill set um, allows them to do. So I think that's interesting. Bruce, you've kind of done a little hybrid. Bruce, when you guys were building Printavo, you used like some engineers offshore, right? Um, tell us yeah. about that. I feel like we've always used a network of people. Like right now, for example, we definitely have an in-house content team, but we also, for example, video editing specifically. We have a really good editor overseas that chops stuff up. Now, sometimes like we may have corrections or whatever, but because they're really quick and good and, and but we've like trained each other to know how each other, you, you know, we work together. I think that's helped. But yeah, we worked with overseas engineers specifically. But what I think happens is kind of what you said, Chelsea, is that if it's core to the business, like customer service for somebody who's literally paying you money, you just can't outsource that part, right? Like it's like some of these more repetitive aspects or things that you can really outline detailed steps. And the engineering, what once we went through that for about, I was using them for maybe about a year or two, we made the decision. I mean, when we had Peter come on as as our CTO, just hey, he's like, we got to have this in house. They they say it's like there's a really good case study around uh, Boeing Airlines with the wings of the aircraft, which are I guess like the the lifeblood of it, and how you build the wings and everything, and how they outsourced the wing you know construction or design and everything, and it was just disastrous because that that's like the core, and you build everything around it. Yeah. So typically, like if you're if you're going to delegate some of those things to maybe, gosh, I don't I don't want to say mean it like this, but like a lower end VA, you know, or, or outsource some of mm -hmm. those things to maybe offshores VAs. I would only do that to more of the task taker projects. What I mean by that is it can be very clearly written out like step by step as far as what to do. So if I were going to like outsource something to a VA 
that's overseas, it would definitely be more of like the task taker items, something that is like core to the business, like customer service, or needs more responsibility. And without like the language barrier that I would, I would leave like in-house, I would do that. Yeah. That's why sometimes I'm a little fearful with like the auto receptionists, because I know there's services out there that'll be like a receptionist for you. And I just worry like, what if my VIP customer calls in and they say the wrong thing. And it's like, that is the first instance a customer gets to interact with you. That should be your highest risk to like have something go wrong too. Right. And so I think from a customer service standpoint, you just cannot, you can't risk that at all. So I think there's a lot of value in in that advice um, for sure. One thing that shop should realize is that the sooner you automate, the sooner you can actually focus on what you should be doing. So like Chelsea, tell us about like the coaching that you do with the entrepreneur to try and liberate them because that is finally like the prize, right? That is when you know you've you've done your job well. Tell us about that process cuz like I'm going through that right now. It's definitely weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, why I is it weird? I know, tell me more. Why Just is like it weird? the exposing of like the self. Uh... It's weird because I'm like <laughs> like I'm just I not good to... at this stuff. No, what am I supposed to do today? Oh, oh, gotcha. Like where, like... I know that feeling. You know, like identity crisis a little bit where you're like, wait a second, I don't have to answer these. What am I supposed to do now? Tell us about like how that experience goes because Chelsea, we have, I think after we hired our first, then it's like three meetings that we did, we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us about that experience because I think that is also really eye-opening. I think the biggest struggle that... Um, a small business owner or an entrepreneur has in delegating things to another individual is one, twofold. I think that they don't know how to do it. Maybe they're like, how do I hand this off to someone, you know, without being micromanaging, but how do I delegate it to them and set expectations? And they kind of feel guilty. It's so funny. I'm like, you're paying this person, like this is their job, (laughs) but they feel guilty about like, is it okay to hand this off? You know, I'm like, well, you said that was in the job description. Yeah, you can hand that off to them. Um, but it, they kind of feel guilty a little bit. So it's kind of working through that as far as like, okay, you're going to delegate like your email management. Let's work through that. Let's do the Loom video. Let's talk through it. And then set those expectations as far as like, this is what I'm looking for. Does that work for you? And always confirming too, because I think you want to confirm, not just like here, do this. It's, hey, this is the new project that I'm handing off to you. Do you feel, you know, here's the Loom video. Here's the standard operating procedure. Can you look through it? Does that make sense to you? Let me know if you have any questions, et cetera. And setting those expectations too is also really important. So yeah, um, I think that's a big thing is that it's so funny. They always feel guilty handing off someone, handing off like work, even though they're paying the individual. Did you feel that way, Stephen? I felt that way because we hired like a personal assistant as well mm-hmm. to do a hybrid and Bruce Bruce has the same as well. And it felt weird having them help me with personal projects, like finding limos for our wedding or, you know, calling contractors to get our hardwood floors replaced or whatever that may be. But actually, that is like the best part because the work to me is work, whether I have to find contractors to replace our hardwood flooring or deal with accounting at the business. It feels like it's all the same sometimes. And so having, feeling okay to have someone help you with your personal things too has been fantastic because it also makes your work-life balance a ton better. Bruce, can you talk, because Bruce, you've been doing that for a little bit. 
What was that like yeah, for you? You know, we just did home shift move uh being in lao and like part los angeles part chicago so that was huge help just coordinating everything honestly i think after eight years now of working on printavo i'm just mentally at a spot where i need to make it as easy as possible for me to make those like four really good right decisions during the day and so i think it's hard to be doing so many operational tasks and then also make the right decisions that truly help push the business forward it because like it was very similar to use Steve, I think it was like when we get so operational task driven, that's the lifeblood. Like that's what makes you think you're making progress and pushing forward. But then there's that transition of, oh, well, this probably isn't the most valuable thing I should be doing right now. Like I shouldn't be like unsubscribing from all this spam, spending 30 minutes a day, you know, and but you just kind of do, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. I'll just do it. And I actually wrote everything down that I was doing during a day. And then I go back after a week and I was looking at those tasks and there was just so many things that if I hired myself, I would be pissed off that that person was doing that task hmm. and saying, holy crap, you are spending time, you know, like I'm sure you can find the most ridiculous thing like um, buying like, microphones for your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just like figuring out how to run a good sounding podcast and stuff is just like, like, what am I doing? Like th that is not the, the most value add I can bring to the business. And, and then when you've got people that you're also paying and there's a livelihood and stuff, it's just, I don't know. It started to feel bad that, wow, I should not be focusing on that. But I think that's where the guilty spot was. And that for me was a transition of what should I be doing? Like similar to what you had of just, what am I supposed to be doing? I remember calling because I was like, there was a, a month or so of, of, you know, there's a way less operational day-to-day -day things. What am I supposed to be spending the next two hours doing that adds the most value? Yeah, I was talking to like a coach that I work with and I said, yeah, it's awesome. I can close my computer at like nine to 10 o'clock at night. And he's like, let's pause for a second. It's a good thing that you can close your computer at nine or 10 o'clock at night. It's like, that's not normal, you know? And I thought about it. I'm like, wait a second. That's a good day for me if I can shut down at nine or 10 o'clock at night from my work. It was almost like weird. I was like, okay, it's six o'clock. Like, what am I going to do now? Like, is it, do I work more? Should I like watch TV? I'm really into Schitt's Creek right now. It's hilarious. <laughs> but uh, I think bringing that balance back is so important so that like that burnout doesn't happen. And I think so many shops are like very much like, I just need to do more. I just need to do more. I just need to do more. Yeah. And it's, it's drowning. It feels like shackles or handcuffs. Um, but so, you know, yeah. you know, you know what really happens? I think work will fill the time that we give it. And so if we give it 10 hours, it's going to everything, we're going to fill 10 hours, 12 hours. I mean, this happened the other day. Like uh, I was waiting for Chrisette. She was working late and I was like, all right. I mean, I guess I have two more hours. Just I'll just get more stuff done, you know, but it's like, can you get the most important things if you give yourself less time? Like on, if it's six hours a day, does that really force you to make sure that the only the most important things and help you find those things to give off to an assistant? But it's for sure a process. And it's it sucks, to be honest, to, to have to be good at that. And I think yeah. it's more about like you need to make sure you're doing more of the right things, you know? Again, it's getting back to that sweet spot. You know, you working in your sweet spot of doing the things that only you can do as the business owner. Everything else, if you don't 
delegate, you know, delegate those things because you need to get back to your sweet spot of only doing the thing that you can do and doing more of the right things. So yeah, definitely not sure. feeling like you have Chelsea. to like fill all your time. Chelsea, uh, this has been really awesome of a chat. And, and I think just being transparent about all of it is I feel like really helpful is for people that are starting to get up or are way beyond us and, and like just, Hey, is this the right move or not? Where can people find you to be able to make their lives easier? <laughs> sure. You can go to chelseabrinkley.com. Um, on there, you can send me a message. You can find me on Instagram. It's at Chelsea Brinkley. That's usually where I hang out and post pictures of basically just where I live. So yeah. So chelseabrinkley.com, you can find my <laughs> templates there. Send me a message, email me, anything along those lines. Like I love helping people get the like the freedom and flexibility back in their life. It makes me happy to see them breathe easier. So that's huge. Thanks so much, Chelsea. This is Chelsea Brinkley. Head to her website, shoot her an email, follow her on Instagram. I cannot emphasize how much that we were behind the eight ball in making this decision just as a business owner. Get going on that. Thanks so much, guys, for joining this Printable Printos podcast. We'll see you guys again next week. Mm-hmm.